I have the privilege of introducing our life pastor again. You may have met him or been here since he was introduced back in December, but I'm not preaching this morning. Yes. There's a lot going on in our lives right now, especially this week, last week or two, and, and uh, it's obviously it's going to get uh, busier, and that's okay. But uh, one of the new staff that we had along with Brandon, our student pastor, is also Daniel, our life pastor, and he's getting ready to, to do some uh, small groups that are getting ready to launch. He's overseeing our pillar leaders um, and the organization of our church and a lot of other exciting things. And one of the other many hats that he's wearing is filling in for me on a blue moon, and that blue moon is today. So I don't know if you looked outside, but uh, I'd like to welcome Daniel James, our life pastor, uh, to bring the message this morning. Okay. Cool. Well, hey guys, you're going to have to bear with me. So I had a little bit of an illustration, if you couldn't tell. Uh, it didn't want to cooperate with me as well, right? So you plan for the absolute best things that you can do, but you always know that something's going to happen, it's going to get changed, and things like that. So just kind of bear with me this morning. Um, first of all, how are we doing this morning? All right, come on, that's kind of like lackadaisical, right? Like I just, I had the time of my life, right? Who in, who in here appreciates our worship team this morning? Like I genuinely, I can genuinely say this is the first time I've worked up a sweat this week. I'm embarrassed of that in some senses, but hey, like I appreciate them. And so we are just so excited. Um, so, you know, like Josh said, I am the life pastor here at True Life Church. And so I kind of see our life groups and I fill in for Josh every once in now and then. Um, but spe- specifically, if there's anything that I could just start this morning is, isn't it just an exciting time in our church? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it is, it is just so exciting. So you're going to have to bear with me as I shake off the rust a little bit this morning. I haven't done this in a little bit of a, a while, um, but I am really just so excited. And so when Josh came to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, he said, hey man, would you be interested on, you know, would you be okay to, to come in and speak in, in our series Illuminate? Uh, and so I knew it was going to be hard from the first place when I knew I had to follow Josh up for two weeks, all right? He did not mention at that point in time of, by the way, you have to follow me up two weeks. Uh, I'm just going to announce and drop the, the bomb that I'm having a baby right before you get up. So all I got to say is, come on, man. Come on, man. It's already a hard pill to swallow, and now I've got to follow that up. I don't know, but would you guys just join me in just being so super excited for them? And so as I... Uh, as I walked through this idea, you know, if you haven't been here over the past two, two weeks, one of the big things that we've been talking about is this concept of illumination or the light of Christ. And so as I began to figure out, well, if Josh wants me to speak about the light of Christ, where do I actually start with that? And so um, for me, I, as I really went through this process, I started thinking, well, maybe we should start with the beginning of it. Right, so if we want to talk about light and darkness, where do light and darkness come about? And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you have one, open it up. I'm going to start in Genesis 1, um, right? So like literally probably the third or fourth page of your paper. If you do not have a Bible this morning, hey, raise your hand. We've got one for you. Um, if you just left yours at home, feel free to bring that one next week. If not, take the one that we give you. Um, that's our gift to you. And so, like I said, I wanted to start from the beginning of the problem, of the beginning of this concept of light and dark. And so if, you see, if you're with me in Genesis 1, it's going to be in verses 3 and 4. And so the first times that we see light and darkness begin to present themselves in the scriptures in verse 3, and it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And then it goes on to say in verse 4 that God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. So like I said, this is the first time that we see light and darkness exist within 
um, a physical spectrum of understanding. This contrast of, you know, the sun and the moon, the, you know, the black and the white. And as I began to think of, well, how does that relate in any way, shape, or form to the light of Christ? What I, I immediately began to understand is the physical spectrum of light and darkness, the reason why it's at the beginning is because God gives us a frame of reference to, be understand, to understand the spiritual spectrum that comes later. You see this contrast and this tension between light and darkness gives us a measuring stick to later understand this tension between good and evil. And so as we begin to talk about what does the light of Christ look like in the concept of good and evil, if you'll flip just two pages over in Genesis 3, we'll start to see this enter. In the Garden of Eden, God creates a man and a woman. He names them Adam and he names them Eve. And so these, this man and this woman, they're walking in the garden. All of a sudden, a snake comes up that we appear and we would assume would be the devil. And this exchange happens in which he says, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say to you that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You see, that physical spectrum of light and darkness begins to make itself known in another spectrum called the spiritual spectrum. And that light and darkness begins to look a lot like good and evil. In fact, when you take the word light and darkness and translate it from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 3, that word throughout much of the rest of the Bible does not mean a physical light or a physical darkness. It means a spiritual good or a spiritual evil. And so what I think is just so interesting about this exchange between Adam and Eve and God and the serpent in the garden is up until that point in time, Adam and Eve had only known one side of that spectrum. They had only known good. But in their fallen humanity, they chose to know evil. And when they made that decision, when they made that decision to, to look away from the light and see the darkness, they immediately realized, I don't like the darkness. I don't want to see that. You see, they had chosen to look to something that God never fully intended for them to understand. And when they did that, they couldn't go back. They would never again live in a world where they could only see good and never see evil. And so when we talk about the concept of the light of Christ in the midst of our walk and our relationship with God, 
here's the truth that I have for you this morning is in the midst of our spiritual spectrums of our lives, the soul that God puts in us, you will never be able to see light without also having to acknowledge darkness. You see, because of sin, we as individuals now must always live between the tension of light and dark. And that said, if we're ever to try and figure out how do we grasp the light and the concept of Christ, the first thing that I think you have to take away this morning is this. We live in a state of darkness. See, because of Adam's sin, we now live in a world of sin. Romans 5.12 says this. Well, if if you're taking notes, that's a great one for you to go back and look at later. It's Romans 5.12. It says, um, and basically portrays that through Adam's sin, darkness was extended to all the world. So because of Adam's and Eve's choice towards evil rather than good, now all of a sudden there is an existence of good and evil, and that evil extends to each and every one of us. You see, there's this tension now that we were never intended to know. And so if we talk about what does that mean for our lives, True Life Church, I immediately begin to understand this. It means that we are in the, the epitome of the the absolute ultimate good news, bad news situation, right? So the bad news is this, that darkness, that evil, that sin that Adam brings into the world and that continues to exist amongst us. Romans 6.23 says this. If you want to go back, write that down. It's a great place to look later. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of that sin, of that darkness, is death. That's pretty tough, It means that for the wages, because of our sin, because of our darkness, we will never live in a world where we can navigate out of it unless we accept the light of Christ. But as we go further with that, the good news is this. As we talk about Romans 5, and it says that sin entered the world, darkness entered the world through one man, so does it also go on to say in verse 18, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. So one man's sin led to darkness. One man's righteousness leads to light. The good news is that God provided us a redemptive solution to the darkness, to the evil in our world, and especially the evil in my life, in your life. And that solution is the light of Christ. You see, it's a bad news, good news situation. The bad news is, right now we're all, without Christ, headed toward a world of death and destruction and darkness. The good news is this, even in the midst of that, God provides a redemptive solution to us through Christ. He provides us a light to navigate that darkness. But if we're to have that light navigate our darkness, we must first accept that there's a light and it's the light of Christ. You see, this is why David in Psalms 18, you can write that down and check it out later, it says that the Lord is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. You know why he talks about it as a lamp? Specifically this. You live in a world of darkness. How do you navigate through darkness? Light. You know what you need to navigate through darkness? 
a lamp. Jesus is your lamp. And so what David is saying is, you will never be able to navigate the darkness of your life unless you first let in the light of Christ. You see, in order to allow God's light to begin shining in our life, the hard truth is this. We must first be willing and vulnerable enough to let that light in. And so, you know, as I began to talk about this idea, right, and so if, you know, Adam's sin brings sin into my life, and that sin brings darkness into my life, and it looks like a lot of different things, the hardest thing that I I realized, and, and many of you this morning walk in with a bunch of baggage and junk. You are in darkness, and I am in darkness, and we don't know which way we're going without the light of Christ, and so so many times we look to the world instead of the light of Christ to illuminate our darkness. And man, if that's you this morning, let me just tell you this. You are not going to find the light to your darkness or to your problems at the end of a bottle or on the website that you have to clear your history from every time or on that reality TV show where everyone's life is so perfect and their homes are so great and especially not in that girl or guy that you think is just so cool and exciting to have in your life. The only way you're going to navigate your darkness is through Jesus. But let me tell you, church, in order for us to do that, we have to be okay. We have to be okay to be vulnerable before Christ. Because let me tell you this truth. If you let Christ's light shine in your life, it's going to make you super uncomfortable. And I know, because I've been there. You see, it might sound easy. It might sound simple. Oh, okay, well, I'll just let Jesus come into my life and we'll let him shine, right? Sure. But here's the truth of the matter. When we actually let that happen, sometimes what really begins to happen is we let Jesus' light shine. And it shines through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But guess what? When that starts shining other things start shining and we start to notice something that exists. Sometimes it's our insecurity and our addiction. Our need to look at the world and be better than than what we think we are. Our need to try to measure up. Our need to make ourselves comfortable with the sin that lives in our life and consistently go back. Sometimes it looks a little bit like this. Anger and depression. It's our frustration, our unsatisfaction with the very things that God gave us in our life to thrive. Sometimes, and for me especially, it's looked a lot like this. My pride and my failure. I'm good, Jesus. I don't need you. I got it. I can take care of it. I can bear the load. Lord, I just don't want anyone to know what happens in the room when no one else is watching. Sometimes it looks even like this. Disobedience and neglect. Because Jesus, I know I want your light to shine, but I really like my sin. It's fun and exciting. I like hanging out with these people, and I like watching these movies And it doesn't hurt anybody that I search these websites. We're simply okay 
to neglect what God calls us. You see, just like in the Garden of Eden, folks, sin is really appealing. And it makes us feel super good. I can be God. I can know all of these things. I can have complete control over my life. Isn't that what Adam and Eve were doing? I'll eat this fruit and I'll know exactly what God says. I'll know. I'll be God. I'll know what he knows. I'll see what he sees. See, we were never intended to see those things. See, John 3.19 says that we would prefer the darkness because we would rather not have God's light shine on the things that make us so comfortable. Jesus, I'm cool to have you in my life, but don't touch my insecurity. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Jesus, I'm good to have you in my life, but I've got my own thing covered, and so I'll have you where I need you. Jesus, I need you in my life, but I don't want to change my behavior. So what? I yelled at my wife. So what? He really made me mad. So what? Does he really mean that? Do you really need that? You see, when Christ's light shines in our life, it illuminates this evil. Folks, let me just tell you, that's uncomfortable. You see, sin to me looks a lot like that devil-angel situation in the movies. Every day we live in this tension between good and evil of, should I do that? No, you shouldn't do that. He won't know. He won't think about that, but yes, I will. This tension of light and darkness, this tension of good and evil. You see, that's what we struggle with. And so if I have to share just a hard truth with you this morning, not bad news, it's actually good news. Hey, if you're in this room and you're just struggling with something, the only way you're going to find it is through the light of Christ. That hard news is this. The only thing that you're going to be able to do to navigate out of that darkness is start to recognize that there's some darkness in my life that exists. And in order for me to chase the light that Christ has for me, I have to acknowledge it. That's hard, and that's not uncomfortable. But you see... Light and darkness cannot exist within the same physical spectrum. Have you ever been in a place that's dark and then you turn the light on and it's still dark in one side and light on the other? Right? If I were to turn the lights off and turn them on, would one room be dark and one room be light? Same is true about sin and righteousness. These things can't coexist with the righteousness that God demands. Your addiction can't coexist with what God calls you towards. Your obsession and your depression, they can't coexist. Bad news, we have to acknowledge those things. Good news, Jesus is there to help us through those things. You want to get out of that? You've got to start looking to the light of Christ that will navigate you through that. You see, if we are to accept Christ's light, we have to be comfortable being vulnerable enough to accept what becomes visible. And like I said, these might be things that we don't necessarily really want to see. But if honest, the truth is the matter. The truth of the matter is this, that in order for for Christ's light to shine in us, 
you know, you really want to you see Christ's light shine in you, you have to let it shine on you. Let me say that again. If you want to see Christ's light shine in you, right, you want to be able to navigate your darkness, you have to first let it shine on you, regardless of the cost that it has. You see, it's this hard, uncomfortable process. But what I've learned in, in what Ephesians says, one of my favorite passages is Ephesians 5, 7 through 13. And one of the things that it says, that everything exposed by the light becomes visible and that everything that is illuminated becomes a light. See, church, you might have walked in this morning with all of these different things going on. Always be prepared for a prop to break on you in mid-sermon. That's what they teach you these days. You must be prepared for all of these things to take place and, and, and to be able to see all of these things. But the good news is this, is that when you let Jesus shine in these things, not only do you find the solution, not only do you find the light to make it through them and to deal with them, you find the power to make that a testimony. Isn't that just something interesting? God takes your brokenness. God takes your evil. God takes your sin. That darkness that lies within each and every one of us. And he says, I take, I'll take your darkness and I'll raise it a light. Because regardless of what you got going on, none of it is, is as strong as the power of the purpose that I have got going for you. Because you see, when Christ's light shines on our darkness, our darkness becomes a light to the world. And if you want to see Christ continue that the work he has begun in your life, you must let your light shine no matter how uncomfortable it is. You see, let me tell you from personal experience, True Life Church, this road is not easy. For me, it meant seeing things that I did not want to see. But as hard as it was, it was worth it. You see, I realized this truth in the midst of this process is that light never gets defeated by darkness. I don't turn on a light in the room and it goes back to darkness. Light wins. You want to get through the darkness of your life? Let me tell you this truth. Jesus never loses. Jesus gets you through, right? right? So light never gets defeated by darkness. Jesus never loses. See, even if your life feels darker than ever before, the, dark, the depth of your darkness can never outweigh, outweigh the light of Christ. The hurt of your sin can never come close to competing with the joy of the Lord. Jesus wins, and he can win in your life if you let it. So while you might be in darkness and you might be walking through some junk this morning, guess what? There's a solution in Jesus and he's here to light your way out of it. But like I said, church, the beauty of that is not that it, it just simply, you find your way out. Good for you. You might always struggle with those things. You might, Jesus might have to consistently be your solution. I feel like I've made a lot of improvement, but guess what? I still have to deal with 
each and every one of those things every single day. Faith is not, is not a destination, it's a journey, right? So I'm not going to look at you and say, you still don't have to walk through that every day. You might have to walk through darkness and walk through trial every day of your life. What, all I can tell you is this, light in the darkness makes that a little bit more bearable. Because rather than walking around in a dark room, at least you're walking towards the door. And rather than walking in a world of hopelessness, at least you're walking with a hope. See, light shines in the darkness, but the cool thing is this. When that light shines in the darkness, it becomes a light for someone else's darkness. When people see you going through this and having the hope to carry on, they begin to think that they can have the hope to carry on. When they begin to see you deal with this, it encourages them to be able to carry on and deal with that too. Like I said in Ephesians, everything exposed by the light of Christ not only gets shined on, but it gets shined through. Everything that was in darkness becomes a light. Isn't that true this morning? You see, Christ's light gives us a story to tell. And there's no calling in our lives that is greater than that of our calling to share our story that is given in us, given to us, to share the light that Christ has put inside of us. You might not have that light this morning. You might be walking around in darkness, trying to find your way through your mess. Here's the hope. Jesus wants to shine a light. Here's the better news. Because Jesus wants to shine that, not, that light, if you let him, he'll let you be the light to shine to someone else. That friend that you have that's walking through junk, he'll use you. And so rather than walking through this alone, all of a sudden we begin walking through this together. Because even in a world full of darkness, when we shine our light, we make sure that Christ's name is known, that his kingdom can be built and his light can be spread to all the world. Isn't that beautiful? So I like, I just as I, I even say, and I'm almost sitting there going, because of Christ's light in me, his name can be known, his kingdom can be built, and his light can shine to the ends of the earth. I look at, I, you know, I'm, I get to be on social media every once in a while, and then I see protests, right? Hurt and anger and violence. I look at third world countries and rulers our world is hurting and broken. And they probably feel a lot like I did when I sat here without the light of Christ. In a dark room with no way out. God looks at me and he says, hey, I'm going to help you through you. I'm going to help you through this. But you're going to help that world through this. I'll help you handle this darkness, but I'm going to use you to help us handle this darkness. You see, Christ's light gives us a story to tell. And while I, I will be the first to tell you, guess what? That does not mean that we will ever see a world where our nation is Christian or Target, you know, has guys and girls in one single bathroom or schools are allowed to pray 
or our government stands with our religious values, or our societies respect the platform. That may never happen in your lifetime. It's a lot of darkness. We need a lot of light. Here's what I can promise you this morning. When you let God shine his light into your darkness, and you begin to let that light shine to others, all of a sudden, even if the world doesn't look any different, the light of Christ is still brighter than ever before. See, we live in a world full of a lot of darkness. You guys want to see change happen in politics? You want to see change happen in our societies? You know where we got to start? Darkness has to be defeated by light. You want to pierce the darkness? Well, maybe we should focus on getting a little more light. And it starts with you. It starts with letting Jesus shine in your life so you can shine in the world. What I can tell you is this. When that light begins to shine, all of a sudden, things start to look different in our homes and in our families. Maybe your husband or your wife doesn't know Christ. Maybe they're not even here with you this morning. When you let Christ's light shine through you, it begins to saturate in the places like your homes and your families. When you let Christ's light shine through you, all of a sudden that place that God's given you and the talent he's given you to be able to go to these two places at work and at school, your light begins to shine with your employees and your friends and your coworkers. You see, it's the same thing is true when our workplaces and schools begin to see the light of Christ, so does our city and our state. It's this collective domino effect. And so if we talk about Acts 1-8 and what happens then, one domino after the other. If you start here, it'll end up going there. If you start there, one day we'll end up here. You may never see it. You may never see it in your lifetime. But gosh, is there not a calling to say, at least I'll try and I'll start? See, church, we have to grow uncomfortable with sitting in darkness. We have to grow uncomfortable with the sin that keeps us there. So uncomfortable that we're willing to let the light of Christ shine. And in the same way that we grew uncomfortable there, so do we have to grow so uncomfortable with the darkness here. And so will we also attempt to let our light shine. So as the band comes up this morning, um, you know, I'll say this. I don't know where you're at this morning. We've kind of talked about three different things, right? So we've talked about being in darkness, right? So if you're in darkness, you need the light of Christ. For some of you this morning, we've kind of talked a little bit about, well, maybe I'm the light. I, I, maybe I accepted Christ and I have the light of Christ. But I don't, I don't know what it looks like to shine in the darkness. How could God use this in me to be something to set someone else free? Or maybe you're on the opposite spectrum. Hey, maybe, you know, maybe you're, you're, a, you're, you're going as hard and as fast as you possibly can to see the light shine in the darkness. And you're starting to realize, like, it just seems like the world isn't changing, Lord. Every day I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, use me. Please use me. And every night that I come home, I still look up to the same video that shows someone getting killed. Someone saying trash about someone else. 
Lord, if you're here, if you're here, why isn't the world looking any different? It's because you're a domino. There's a lot of darkness. God needs a lot of light. He's using your light. I promise you, let me encourage you with that this morning. But it takes time. And we have to be okay with that. On the, on the truth of this, that Christ's light is shining in the darkness more than it is ever before, even if you don't feel like it. You know, I feel like we live in a, a world of church, and I get to, to hear from churches a lot where this, there's this perception of like the church is just broken and it's hurting. It's not doing its job anymore. In fact, I'm sure that there's probably a bunch of us in this room, myself included, who've said that in our life. The church doesn't do this and the church doesn't do that. We've been burned by the church. Let me just tell you one thing. It's something that I've come to realize. Do you know what Paul would do? He would turn over in his grave if he found out that even the Bible was translated in as many languages that it is. Guys, the church is not dead. It might not be as visible as we want it to be, but it sure as heck doesn't mean it's not shining. Go to a third world country right now and you tell me that the light of Christ is not shining in the world. Because Christ is shining. And he's shining through the church in a beautiful way. But so many times we are sitting in the back rooms and saying, I'm just okay to live in this darkness. I'm just all right to deal with this because I don't want to deal with anything else. I'm okay to be insecure, Lord. I'm okay to be disobedient. It doesn't change anything anyways. I ask for your help and maybe it doesn't come in the moment that I want it to. I ask for your grace and sometimes it feels like it's not there. Guess what, folks? It is. Christ's light is not not shining. But you have to let it shine in your heart. So like I said, I don't know where you are this morning on that spectrum. What I can tell you is this. I've been at all three of them all at all different points in time in my life. If you're sitting in this room and said, you know, I've never really accepted Christ as the light of my life and you know, like I have my own doubts about that anyways. Science says this, and you know, it's just, it's so far-fetched. It's so far-fetched. Couldn't, it couldn't be true. Let me tell you this, I was there. I went to a Christian school and was still there. But I came to a point where I said, let me at least just let Christ's light shine in my life. A guy looked at me one time and he said, Daniel, let me ask you a question. I said, yeah, sure, what he said. If you decide to become a Christian, what's the worst thing that happens to you? I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, right? So if it's not true, you die a happy fool, right? You lived a certain life, you get to the end of it, and you go to sleep, right? And that, you go to sleep. He says, but let me ask you this other question. If you deny the light of Christ in your life, what do you have to lose? And that's when it clicked to me. What do I have to lose? You know, if we want to take the risk of heaven and hell, 
I'd rather be on the right side of that one if I'm wrong than to be on the wrong side. See, Christ wants to shine in our darkness. And when I decided to let Christ shine in my darkness, it meant a couple of different things for me when I was a junior in high school. It meant this. I had to sacrifice popularity. And it was awful. I love people, right? And I really like when people like me. But guess what? Like all of a sudden, following Christ meant that people might not like me as much. Because I'm an outcast now and maybe I can't drink at the same parties that you're drinking at. And maybe I can't go to the same places that you go to. And maybe I can't watch the same movies that you live at anymore. It was this hard, uncomfortable road for me to realize that I had to deal with my mess. And when I grew older, and even sometimes today, it meant dealing with that insecurity and the pain of my hurtful past. God, why do I feel like I can't measure up? Why can't I be confident in who I am? It goes on to mean, you know, manning up to the fact that Christ called me to give all of me and not just some of me. That was tough. Jesus, you can have 80%, but I want 20. Jesus, you can have 90%, but I want 10. Jesus, you can have 95, but just let me keep the five. No, I want the full 100. Because in order for my light to shine in your life, you have to let all of it shine. See, these things were hard. But when I let them happen, I immediately started to see my influence grow. That popularity started to become popularity in a completely different sense. Because people want to know, what made you different? What led to that change? And so a couple of years ago, you know, I remember I was, I was in Rochester, New York City. Um, and so, I, you know, I was sitting on, on this bus with this guy. And he looked at me and said, hey, you know, I, I believe in what God's doing in your life. And so I just want you to know you're going to move to the sixth most dangerous city in the United States. You're going to be a missionary. And I said, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> no way. But see, God wanted all of my life. And so he took this backwoods guy from rural county, Kentucky, and moved him to the most sixth dangerous city in the United States. I walked into a church's chicken the first day there, and I'll never forget it. I walked in and I said, hey, how are you guys doing this morning? You know what they looked at me and said? Get out. I thought it was a joke. I'm like, I'm from Kentucky, right? Like, you guys obviously don't have southern manners. Like, this is not how this works. Get out. I said, why? Like, are you guys out today? No. Because it's not a question of if you will be killed here. It's a question of when. See, God didn't use my 99%. He used my full 100. And if you want to see Christ's light shine in you, you have to give him your full 100. And so as I began to work in this city, I immediately started to see that there was a neighborhood of violence and broken. I lived in a place where literally... And worked in a place. Seven murders happened a day within 10 miles. 10 miles of each other. Every day. I watched in the back of my car as a guy pulled his gun towards my trailblazer and fired. But my light shone in the darkness. 
And so all of a sudden, this neighborhood that once was broken began to find hope. This neighborhood that was once violent began to find joy. And this neighborhood that had once given up on the fact that there was a Jesus or a church that could actually make a difference, you start to see things change. See, I've been at all three places in my life. I've been where you are and I need to accept Christ. I've been where I felt like Christ is a light, but I'm not fully there yet. And I've been to a place where Christ's light has had to shine through me even when it was difficult and hard. So I guess my question for you is that for you guys this morning, I want to extend the same opportunity. And so if you guys will just kind of stand with me this morning. I'd like everyone to just kind of close their eyes and bow their heads. You know, you see, I learned that in my life, if I wanted to move from one stage to the other, I had to let Christ's light shine on. And so regardless of where you are in that spectrum this morning, I want to extend you the same opportunity that I had in my life. And so if you are in this room this morning, everybody's eyes closed, No one looking around. If you were in this room this morning and you would say, Daniel, I know I'm in darkness and I'm living through junk and mess. And I start, I'm just starting to realize that I need Christ's light to shine. If you you would say that that's true this morning, I want to see Christ's light shine in my life. I want to see Jesus being made known as my Savior so that I can begin to see his work in my life. Would you just... Would you slowly raise your hand? You don't have to leave it up for forever. Hey, I want you to know Jesus wants to shine in your life. And while you might be in darkness now, Jesus is your Savior, and He wants to bring you the goodness of His light. So the next thing I want to do is if if you're in this room and say, Daniel, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior and I've been through this process and I go to church, but I feel like Christ's light is just not shining in me. I I just want you to raise your hand right now. And I want you to know this, okay? I just want you to know this truth. God wants all of you. And so for some of you this morning, it might mean getting rid of the 10% you're holding on to. You see, I don't know which of those buckets you're in this morning, and maybe you're, you know, you're taking that light to the ends of the earth, and if that's you this morning, let me encourage you with this. Don't stop. It might feel like there's no growth or no process happening, but guess what? I promise If you continue to shine, it allows the light to shine in others. When others continue to shine, it allows the light to shine in the world. So with everybody's eyes open and just kind of looking up, I want to invite you, hey, if you raised your hand to either one of those questions this morning, if you said, I want to know Jesus as my Savior and I want to know how I can begin to let his life come in my life, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to force you to do something super uncomfortable. I understand that we're in a round and it's going to be hard. But I want you to come up during this next song. And I've got some elders and, and, and some folks here that just want to pray for you and begin to talk about that. And the same thing is if you, if you looked up and said, Lord, Daniel, you know, I, I feel like this light is in me, but I don't know how to let it shine. 
you want someone to pray for that and talk through that, I invite you to come up too. You know, one of my favorite authors in this entire world is this guy named C.S. Lewis, and he says this, we are mirrors whose brightness is wholly derived from the sun that shines upon us. You can only be as bright as Christ is in your life. You can only shine as much as you allow Him to shine in you, on you, through you. So as we begin to sing this song this morning, how will you allow Christ's light to shine upon you? As the band sings, I invite you to respond. Jesus, we just thank you. We appreciate that you truly do shine a light in our darkness. And that, Lord, I just pray that in this moment right now, now that you would begin to truly transform the hearts of this church. That if we need you, Lord, we wouldn't be afraid to ask for you. Even if that means I got to walk around people. I got to walk in front of people. I got to go to a front. Lord, don't let us scare that from accepting the light of Christ this morning. Because guess what? I don't want you and God doesn't want you to walk out of this place in the darkness again. You have the light to navigate. Don't let sitting in a chair or people seeing you come up here stop from getting that light. The same way for those of you who would say, I feel like I have the light, but I just, need, I just need some help and some encouragement to figure out how to let that shine. Don't be scared. Because while fear might exist in darkness, it doesn't exist in light. Choose this morning which you would like. You can live in darkness or you can live in light. This morning, the decision's up to you. We just thank you, Jesus. Begin in our hearts to begin able to truly decide to walk towards your light. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Respond as you, as you feel.